I'm Jess Fisher, and this is the best paper I ever wrote. <laughs> Hello! Today is January 30th. I am recording this episode with two guests. Strap in, listeners. It's going to be a bumpy one. Uh, I lost my script. Where'd it go? There it is. We just completed two weeks of rehearsing and filming an educational film in Boston together, and we are very tired. I'm going to avoid saying what we worked for not because we didn't sign any ndas or anything but no. like i want to work for them again <laughs> and if we're like talking about penis in this episode <laughs> yeah we can't do we can't do hashtag name of company because right. yeah that is they don't i it's think a lot of their theater, stories but it's not yeah. like you know freudian <laughs> can you imagine if we did freudian readings of all of the plays What'd i came here to, to burn bridges so uh, I'm ready to go. Um, hi, friends. Why don't you say your names and how you identify? Matt, go first. It's Matt. Jordan Welcome will Matt. identify for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. I'm Matt, like Jordan said. <laughs> Sorry. I identify as a cishat white guy. That's what I would have said. That's- really? No, not exactly. You know, I would say I would honestly true. be like I would I, I would I would no I would say something like Matt is a sweet white boy who I love to hug and who is I very kind Matt as a sweet white boy. sweet white boy. <laughs> All I, do. I think that's a it's a fun game. It's a fun game among friends. You identify me. I identify you. Yeah. He him well, for everyone in the comment yourself? section. Everybody. Oh, yeah. Everybody in the comments section. Everyone who's going to yeah. drag me guess. in the comments. I'm Jordan. Who's this white boy? (laughs) (laughs) My third guest, who are you? I'm Jordan. My name is Jordan Jordan, uh, Palmer. That's my last name. Uh, And uh, I identify as a she, she, they, a she, they. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Is it a noun? (laughs) It's it's their nouns now. Um, I'm also a she, they, so. Uh, (laughs) Should I leave? Yeah. Yeah. Bye, he, him. Snow, he, him. out on this pod. <laughs> the worst. Um, um, how did we all meet? I can't say the word. Well, then don't. Okay, we were, on, we were on tour together. Yeah, we toured. We toured. We did a we toured regional tour of in the about half of the country, arguably. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. And we spent... Every waking moment of four months together, except yes, for when we, we were in separate cars, because there were two different vehicles involved in this situation. And Jess and I have a very large truck. One of them oh, was yes. a very large truck that Matt and I almost crashed many times. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not roommates. entirely true. It's not at it's all. It's just like a silly, like, oh, you have a truck. Or big truck, little boys. I was just saying that Jess, you and I have been roommates, and Matt, you and I have been roommates, That's and I'm true. sort of bridging that gap because I don't think you two have ever been roommates. But no. given your banter, it seems like you should be. I actually think it would be bad to, for us to be roommates. We it would might never be. sleep. It would just be that sort of like, <laughs> you wouldn't. hey, what do you think about this? <laughs> <laughs> you ever think about blimps? You ever think about blimps? <laughs> There's only 12 blimps. Did you know that? What? No. There's only 12 blimps on this planet. Wow. That seems low. Wait, I think there's 24, but only 12 that are functioning. 
blimps. How many? Google. <laughs> so, uh, while I'm doing that, uh, Jordan, where did you grow up and where do you live now? I grew up in Oregon, uh, mid, 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 middle North Oregon, um, in a very arid place on the border with uh, Washington. And uh, then I am now, I'm now in Massachusetts. And Matt, where did you grow up and where do you live now? I grew up in Connecticut. Um, and now, oh boy, now I live Zooey in Mama. New York City. New York, New York. New York, the wonderful town. You live in Manhattan, right? I live right in Manhattan. I knew that, but the listeners didn't. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, come find where me. did you go to school? What? They can come find me. <laughs> I'm in Manhattan. Uh, Jordan, me. where did you go to school and what did you study? Zoom does that thing. I yeah, where, it, I think it, the question end, is where did I go like, to school? Yeah, that's the one. I went to school, yeah. I went to school at the Boston Conservatory. I conserved art. bitch. Theater. Boko bitch. Boscon. <laughs> As my aunt likes to say, Boscon. Boscon. <laughs> yeah. So I went to Boscon <laughs> for contemporary theater, Boco. And Matt, where did you go to school and what did you study? I went to the prestigious Southern Connecticut State University. That's uh, actually where Dean goes in Gilmore Girls. Fun fact. Is it really? I never saw yeah. him there. That's weird. That's really weird. <laughs> yes, Southern Small Connecticut school. State University. SOCON, you know, we call it now, mm-hmm. here, today, for the first time ever. On this podcast. SOCON. <laughs> Affectionately called. That's cute. And I studied... And what'd you study? Performance theater. Woohoo. Yeah. Performance theater? Performance yeah, theater. that's what they call <laughs> not it. The other kind. <laughs> not the other kind. <laughs> not the other they, kind. It's not. They don't have a technical theater, theater degree. They don't have any oh, other that's why. blank oh, theater. It's okay, just. Okay. Oh, but they still call it. It, but it's just in case they want to add one later. I assume. I yeah. I guess. Okay. I get it. I actually don't I know what my degree says. About. Oh, that's okay. You don't. Jordan, what's to. your current occupation? I'm an actor. Um, Woohoo! I, I think I can say that. You can definitely say I, that. I definitely spent... am an actor. We just spent, you know, 10 days on a film. But also, it's just weird to call oneself an actor during uh, the, the fire rain times. That the are fire... No, I get that. Like, ooh, I'm an artist during the big, the big disease. The big disease, yeah. <laughs> it's not really fire rain. That actually kind of cheapens where fire rain actually happens, doesn't it? It's not fire rain. Oh, I guess fire rain does happen. Fire rain happens. Matt, what's your occupation? Well... I was just an in-work actor. Now I'm back to being an out-of-work actor. (laughs) Woo! Essential work. Essential work. Um, But you're a voice actor. I'm a freelance voice actor. And uh, I guess a teacher. (laughs) A Shakespeare teacher when I want, I guess. What do you mean by that? It's just like the company, the, the Shakespeare company that I work for, it's just like, they'll be like, hey, we're doing this. Do you want to teach this workshop? Do you want to teach this it's never like you're teaching this dude mm. so it's kind of like when i want mm. yeah um so 
I did forget to say I do have a Shakespeare company. That's a thing that I'm doing. The non-binary totally. diapers Shakespeare. Check that out, folks. Woohoo! We are a uh, collective trans. I don't, I don't. I won't plug it, but you can find me. You can find it if you look it up. <gasps> yeah. No, I, I gave opportunity for all my people to plug their things. Oh, cute. Okay, cool. Don't worry. Don't <sighs> worry. Okay. I should have okay, more whatever. things. Yeah, Matt. Think about things to plug. Think about things and to if plug. you don't, I if if people don't have anything to plug, I usually have them say like, "What are you watching right now?" Oh, that's good. That you think other people should be watching. Mm. What are you listening to right now that other people should be listening to? So let that let that stew underneath the surface as we dive in here. Um, so I was chatting with my nice good friend Jordan a while ago uh, when we were first offered the contract to because we were like, "Oh, we're gonna see each other again." Woohoo! And I let her know about the podcast, and she said she had some papers about Freud and Lacan. And I was like, oh my gosh, I also took a class on Freud. So I was down to just do an episode with Jordan, but the format of this podcast is sort of, my guest explains to me something that I didn't already know. So I was thinking it would actually be more fun for Jordan and myself to teach Matt, a person who doesn't know anything about Freud and Lacan. So he could be like, that's crazy you know what i mean because usually i'm the person that's like that's crazy um (laughs) i think it would be fun matt if you decided which of the two you liked better at the end Um, (laughs) i'm taking side freud and jordan is taking side lacan Um, i'm taking side lacan it's true and now i'm doing um, a frantic google just to make sure that all my points are right oh yeah me and jordan neither of us are by any means experts at all like i took one class no, on freud no, God, no um yeah we're just having some fun <laughs> we are <laughs> what i can remember and um john it would be really awesome if i could get a um ding 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 let's get ready to rumble um, <laughs> as we start getting into that so or if or if you don't add it it's it's almost funnier because i just did that sound effect with my mouth um Ding, ding, ding. Let's get ready to rumble. I'd like to take some time to explain Freud and Lacan to you, the listeners. Since Jordan and I are going to do most of the talking, I'm going to have Matt read some definitions. Matt, would you read me the following from Oxford Dictionary? (laughs) Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Psychoanalysis is a system of psychological theory and therapy which aims to treat mental disorders by investigating the interaction of conscious and unconscious elements in the mind and bringing repressed fears and conflicts into the conscious mind by techniques such as dream interpretation and free association. It was created by Sigmund Freud, an Austrian neurologist, in the 1890s. Yeah, keep going. He is famous. (laughs) He is famous (laughs) for such theories of free association, transference, dream theory, the Oedipus complex, the psychosexual stages, repression, the id, the ego, and the superego, death drive, and libido. Lacan was much later, the 1950s to 80s in France. He began a, quote, return to Freud with some key differences. He was actually the person that coined the Freudian slip. He is also famous for mirror stage, other, other phallocentricism, (laughs) the three orders, such as the imaginary, the symbolic, (laughs) the real, and the synthome, Yes, that's four, but it's called the three orders. <laughs> and desire instead of libido. Mm. They agree on many things, such as the difference between drive, trib, thank you, and instinct. 
<laughs> I said in the in the script, I said, Matt, please try to do a really bad German pronunciation on this. Yeah. Thank you, Matt, for reading these. Uh, Matt, do you know what any of these concepts mean? And if you do, can you try to explain them? <laughs> or at least have you, like, heard of any of these things? I have heard of these, some of them, yes. Um, Which ones? I will not... Uh, incriminate myself as a dumbo uh, for the for the world for the millions of people out there to ah, hear. Ah, you saw my trick. Ah. <laughs> um, You're on arrest. Pretty much on thirteen counts of dumbo. Yes. Pretty much um, everything of in in the Freud section that I read, um, because like anyone who went to a Catholic school in Waterbury, um, I. <laughs> I took one psychology class for a semester, which was taught by a woman who has a, not, I, mean, I didn't mean to say like by a woman, but by, it was taught by a woman, <laughs> by a woman who has a master's degree in math, but is not teaching math at this school because Catholic schools are absolutely buck wild. Um, so she's teaching psychology and religion. Um, what? <laughs> so it was, I learned the name Freud. I've heard these things. Uh-huh. Did uh-huh. I learn them? No. Did I do a lot of talking okay. about True Detective season one with that teacher instead of psychology? Yes. <laughs> yes. So that's my experience. Okay, but like, what about like a Freudian slip? Like, you know what that of is. Of course. What's a Freudian slip, Matt? It's when you say the thing you don't want to say that's in your head. Kind of. Hold on, let me it's... think of one in media res. Yeah, think of an example. That might be better to help us with these definitions if we think of examples. It's like if I was going to say to Jordan that I, I like her sweater, but I accidentally said but. <laughs> well. Because <laughs> I was thinking about well, but. <laughs> you know, the classic, that's funny. The classic example is, I really like that, is um, like when people say to their teacher, mom. Mm. Yeah. You know, because. Mm. Like it lives in the same place, but I, <laughs> I was driving me the other day, uh, to uh, rehearsal, and um, like, I guess like, cause my you know, the my audio editor John razzes me a lot, and then Matt razzed me, and I said John, and I was like, oh, there it is, um, just makes me laugh that it was like, uh, boy who makes fun of me, oh. So, yeah, that, that type of thing where the association makes the association by itself. That was an awful sentence. That's fine. Hmm. So, Jordan, I heard you say a bunch of hmms and ahs. I was remembering. <laughs> yes, and I also have the habit of umming and aing. No. That's true. Yes. So, ah! <laughs> I, love I love you. you <laughs> <laughs> so... She does that a lot. Listeners, she she hmms uh, a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm, uh-huh. Mm. Oh, okay, so you were saying... Ah, the necklace. Mm-hmm. I was just saying you you, you had some reactions mm, to Lacan. some things. Yeah, I was remembering a lot about Lacan, um, <clears throat> phallocentrism, which was transformed mm. into Derrida's phallogocentrism. Phallogo? Phallogocentrism? That's what we called it in class. Mm. Um, I don't know. Which was essentially, I forget, um, well, my experience with Lacan right now is colored by the fact that I am truly undergoing Lacanian psychoanalysis. 
Um, I've yeah, Wait, I've really? been in I've been in Lacanian psychoanalysis for. Um, I didn't know that. Well, at all. I forgot to tell you because I was honestly kind of scared to tell you because Why? I was like, Why would you be scared? Oh, about I that? don't know because I'm like teetering on the edge between the symbolic and the real all the time, and like you'll probably hear a million Freudian slips in my words as we go. No, but oh, not like that. Cool. No, no, well. No, I think I was just sort of because because papers, you know, I, it's impossible to be objective about anything. Yeah. And I have very a very true. particular relationship with Lacan, especially now because I've started Lacanian psychoanalysis, which is complicated. My relationship with that is complicated. My relationship with my psychotherapist is, you know, complicated. Um so but but I thought that, you know, maybe we dive too deeply into my own neuroses, which are, of course, very apparent, <laughs> knowing me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, all, we're all neurotic. We all, I don't trust um, people who aren't. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, <laughs> here's Matt being like, wait a minute. minute. I'm not I'm problems. <laughs> I'm perfect. <laughs> Matt's just I'm a, nice, I'm a nice white boy. I don't <laughs> nice, have problems. <laughs> nice, sweet little white boy. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had a problem in my no. life. Um, but what was I going to say? Well, I find that I actually find that very interesting because I, yeah. you know, I was, you know, the, the what I find interesting about Freud and Lacan is when I took my Freud mm-hmm. class, it was not looking at psychoanalysis in a literal yeah. sense. It was looking at it in the theoretical. Mm-hmm. It was actually a theater studies class where we would learn as much as we could about Freud and Lacan and then and then look at it from a artistic yes. standpoint. I, that's what we then were doing we would, in mind, we, too. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we learn about all that we can, and then we say, so, you know, Gertrude. Right. <laughs> so, you know, Hamlet, let's take a gander. Um, and we would say, like, does this actually reflect it as people say it does? And we would take a look at the, um, the ways that the Oedipus complex and the ways that, you know, uh, Death Drive have influenced literature and theater since its mm-hmm. conception. Um, and how we can examine the unconscious mind and yeah. whatnot. So, well, what oh, I what I'm I'm glad that you say that that you are experiencing that you are going through actual therapy Literally, in that yeah. way because there is the literal application. Yeah, and it's of far more. Things. I think it actually crystallizes the at the important bits for me of the the, the important bits to me of the theoretical. Hmm. Okay. Explain that well, to Matt. <laughs> especially when it comes to Lacan. So I can give jack shit about Freud. I mean, Freud, no. <laughs> he, he created the basis by which Lacan started to really elaborate on his work. Um, but mm-hmm. as far as I know, um, I think I think the Freudian slip that Lacan coined um, is yeah. really telling as to where Lacan was interested. Um, Lacan was really interested in the way that language I, th- I think as far as i know was really interested in the way that language um creates a symbolic realm um mm. and that uh language you know is the way that we try to express things um what, what what's happening to us uh which i think for all intents and purposes, yeah. For all intents, sorry. For all intents and purposes, is just utter being. The real is. I'm finding it here, according to Emil Meyerson, uh, mm-hmm. 
refers to the real as, quote, an ontological absolute, a true being in itself. Um, and the, the real is the experience of being that we have sans language. It's just like the, 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 the unadulterated experience of being that can't actually be um, accurately described through language. But language okay. is the symbolic realm that we create, or the, the symbolic realm is, 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 is the set of symbols that we create through language that, uh, through, by which we uh, begin to approach describing what is r the real, but we actually can never make it there. Okay, I, I'm, I'm understanding what you're yeah. saying. Uh, Matt, are you understanding? I am, I'm taking diligent notes. Oh, cool. Um, oh, you are? Actually? Yeah. No, I'm texting through all of this. That's cool. So I, it, that's really interesting that you talk about language, right? So I, I can go back to one of the most famous things that Freud is famous for, great, um, which is free association. Right. <laughs> and when you talk about uh, language being symbols for which we try our best to describe feeling, but it is not actually feeling, I find that interesting because like one of the main tenets of psychoanalysis is making you sit there and just spew right. words until you get somewhere that is real yeah. you know so matt the concept of of free association is bonk you you have to sit there you know lay on that famous freud couch um chaise lounge you know and just speak words out just speak words and they don't have to mean anything and just let your brain become like a like a direct line from first your frontal lobe but should travel back <laughs> until it's your id just so going. not making complete sentences like just like no mm. no like apple shoe wall like literally yeah. anything until suddenly you say i want to fuck my dad right <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he's like you got it you I found it you know <laughs> exactly so um, it's interesting to me that that difference mm -hmm. there, that's, that's the first difference we come across with expressing ourselves with words and not expressing ourselves with words, finding the, the true root of our issues by using language or not using language. Mm. I find yeah. that interesting. Can I tack on? Cause there's, Oh, should we pause for one second so we can yeah, hop, hop on the zoom. zoom? I'll open it up. Okay. okay, Golden. Don't stop recording. Bye-bye. Sorry, John. Okay. Bye. Bye, John. Hi-ho, Texas Rangers. <laughs> okay. So hi-ho, Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers? What? I don't know. I'm sorry? It's a baseball team. <laughs> <laughs> hi-ho, Texas oh, Rangers. Ball Maybe players. if you Lacanians over there want to wanna psychoanalyze me a little bit, uh, um, with whatever those uh, those words I just said. That felt really flirty. Yes. Yeah. Maybe if any of you Lacanians want to, hey. I don't, I don't know. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> for those listening and not watching. No one's watching. Just us. I'm twirling my hair. <laughs> Just to let you know, um, I have Okay, Jordan, what were you going to say about Zay language? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, first I have Robin nail polish. nail polish on. Uh, very nice. For all you Lacanians out there. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> um, so anyway, uh, speaking of you were you were describing the difference, a difference, um, as as we see it between Freud and Lacan, the idea that so yeah, it's all as, as we, we see, see it. it. I, don't I don't fucking know. know. I could be <clears throat> we, so we, wrong. <laughs> I actually hope we are a little bit. That makes it really fun. I feel like their bodies of work are so vast and complicated that we just have to be like, well, how right. I see it. Well, and also, how I, I mean, see that's it second sort of hand. My... Right. And how Matt sees how we see <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> and that's well, who and wins. That, that is, uh, that probably has something to do with otherness. I mean, come on. Okay, talk about, about otherness. Because I want to talk about this particular language business. And maybe it will okay, filter in. talk about the language business. The particular language business is this. So... As far as I understand, at least the way that my psychoanalyst works, um, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't see language as a thing in and of itself. It's not a being in and of itself, like the real is. Mm. It is um, an attempt to describe something that is indescribable. Um, and sometimes we get really close to that thing. Sometimes okay. we don't get close to that thing. But what's really fascinating to me about the way that my psychoanalyst does um, Lacanian work, and um, it sort of a uh, Oh, did I? Am I recording? I think I stopped. Oh, no, I'm still recording. Uh, Good. Thank you for checking. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Ta-ta-ta. Cool. So, um, what <laughs> connects to the way I learned about Lacan is that um, my psychoanalyst thinks of my language as a text, like a literal, physical, read-it-in-front-of-you text, Right? Okay. And so he's not really thinking about what you say matters some. How you say it becomes very important because the idea is that if theoretically in psychoanalysis whatever stream of consciousness you've got going on it doesn't ha- it can be sentence based. Mine often is. Um or it can be okay. a set of images the way a dream is a set of images, right? A series of images that connect in mm-hmm. certain ways, often illogical, um, that more resemble the structure of the unconscious. Um, but right. in even right. conscious reasoning, um, you can imagine the language like a text written out in front of you. And the the rhetorical devices that you use can tell a lot about Right. So uh, uh, you were talking about or actually, Matt, in your um, in your definition, you read that um, psychoanalysis was about bringing unconscious fears to the fore, Um, Mm -hmm. things that are being repressed to the fore. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think my psychoanalysis, my psychoanalyst, sorry, um, is less interested generally in. Um, let me think about this. No, I scratch scratch that. Uh, bringing scratch. bringing unconscious fears, bringing repressed things to the fore. We are so. I am so bad. I think many of us are so bad at like actually wanting to say whatever is repressed. It almost evades us. It's like this slippery little eel that we can't grab hold of. Um, but are we recognizing it? Sometimes we don't even recognize it. Are we identifying? Are we identifying the thing that we don't want to say? Not always. 
Well, what do you mean? Are we identifying? Okay, we're just fearful of what might be we're under the surface. We're fearful of what might be under the surface. Is sometimes that what you're we saying? see, sometimes okay. we do see what we don't want to say. Other times we don't even know because it's buried. Yeah, I wonder if that would be the unconscious or not. I don't think it would be anymore if you can identify No, it yeah. and don't want to say it. That's not that's not unconscious. That's conscious you just right. feel shitty about it. <laughs> the unconscious is always working though. Um, behind mm-hmm. the behind the scenes and can affect the way a person speaks. And the the idea in my Lacanian psychoanalysis is that the unconscious will make itself known, not necessarily through what you say, but what you don't say. For instance, okay. if I, I, I think that um, I, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and it, it it's about rhetorical devices, right? So, if we're imagining the language as a text. We're looking for rhetorical devices because rhetorical devices augment the truth. If you think about a literary work, an ellipsis omits something that is the truth for effect. Um, So if I, Mm -hmm. you know, if I, if I'm I'm in psychoanalysis and I am um, speaking and speaking and speaking and suddenly I trail off and I start again, that trail off could be my unconscious protecting me from saying something that it doesn't want yeah. to bring into consciousness okay, right cool um, that's been repressed sure right so there's an ellipsis there are other ways a stammer that's where the freudian slip comes in a freudian slip is uh potentially um you know the unconscious sort of hijacking the conscious and saying no let me say a thing yeah 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 um yeah and so these are all sort of rhetorical devices and, uh, you know, um, the, the primacy of language, I think, was really important to Lacan. Um, and I can get into that in terms of, like, the chain of signifiers that I think was Saussurian, but then Lacan sort of took took into his hands and was like, this is interesting in terms of personhood, um, which also was a very interesting uh, thing to learn about when I, as I was, uh, it helped me come out, it helped me come out. Lacanian Lacanian theory and like feminist theory branching off of uh, branching off of Lacan and Freud helped me come out. (laughs) Well, when you talk about, I see that Matt has some thoughts, but I just want to say real quick that when we talk about language being important and words being important, that makes me think about um, makes me think about words such as like man, woman, a masculine, Mm -hmm. feminine, and makes me think about you know um, pronouns of things. And I was like, hmm, it just brought that up. But Matt, I want to know, you were showing me that you had notes and thoughts, and I'm very curious. <laughs> I was just trying to raise my hand. I don't want this to be a nightmare for John. Um, <laughs> you said that when you omit something or you have si- the things you don't say, um, you said something about them becoming observable, uh, something about your subconscious, whatever it is, the thing you're repressing is in what you don't say. Is that, does that become apparent to you or someone analyzing you? Analyzing you. It would become apparent to someone analyzing you because to me it just feels like one of my speech patterns or it feels like, you know, a a blip in my consciousness. Um, But it can be teased out um, by a psychoanalyst and maybe there's something there that I didn't know. You know, there is a lot to be said about the unconscious mind that I think has a lot of validity because, you know, 
for example, dreams are still an elusive thing to mm-hmm. psychologists. They still don't really understand how to interpret dreams, how to understand them. And um, I do think that there is a lot of validity in in looking at dreams and and seeing what we can gather from them. Um, maybe not all of them. Maybe some of them are just like <laughs> fucking bonker. <laughs> like, don't make any mm-hmm. sense. But, you know, um, really quick, I'll just give a quick summary of like Freud's dream theory. And I'm not actually sure where Lacan stands on that, Jordan, if sure. you wouldn't mind um, weighing in on that. So, um, so okay, we we did we did some some language conversation, the difference between Freud and Lacan and language mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. So um, I think I want to talk about just some favorites of mine. I would love to talk about Oedipus Complex because <laughs> it's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, Oedipus Complex, dream theory, and um, I think um, uh, Death Drive is so good for our mm-hmm. generation. Um, you know what? Maybe I'll, I'll do Death Drive now so I don't forget. Death Drive is the concept that we all want to die and um, we... we it's an unconscious thing, and that's why we drink. That's why we do crazy things. That's why we um, want to like hurt others and ourselves, and and end up doing things that are not good for ourselves. Because when we die, we are back to the place of pre-consciousness. Mm. We all we always want to go back to that warm, fuzzy feeling that we were in our mom's stomachs. And when we die, we're closest back to that place, since we can't go back into our mom's stomachs. We want to die instead. So I just think about how yeah. our generation is always like, I want to die. Kill me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, kill me. or do you want to be in your mom's Yolo. again? Well, and it's freedom from language. It's freedom from the symbolic. It's it's entering. It's going back to the real. Okay. When you die, when you you're die. returning to the real. There's no more language. There's no more symbolic. It's just existence <laughs> or lack thereof. Unarbitrated. Does, does Lacan have anything on like death? Well, drive? um, yeah, I think so. Um, well, <laughs> probably. Let me pull up. Thought about it once. I think. Uh, let me just go back to my because I sent you my essay and my essay has something to do with it. I don't think either of us read either. No, I don't we know did. How. No, I didn't. Um, I don't know how to read it. <laughs> I, I can't read. Um. I uh, my paper was about um, Freud's theory mm-hmm. of fetish and what the fetishized object was. So I actually don't really know if we'll get into very much of that in this episode because it would be a three hour three parter. Right. <laughs> a three parter. Uh, oh, that would be I would be so down to do a part two oh, to this battle. I would boy. love to. Uh, well, because I've got I've got a whole thing uh, quote midterm paper on Lacanian fetishism. Lacanian fetishism. Uh-huh. Okay, maybe we'll, maybe Matt will weigh on that one. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding. Okay, so I talked about what did I talk? Oh, I talked about Death Drive. Um, um, Matt's choice. Are we are we thinking are we thinking Oedipus Complex or are we thinking Dream Theory? Um, give me that good good Oedipus Complex. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, I had a I had a good thing pulled mm-hmm. up right. So the Oedipus Complex. Um, is a theory Sigmund Freud that occurs during the phallic stage of psychosexual development. Um, it involves a boy, aged between three and six, becoming unconsciously sexually attracted to his mother and hostile toward his father, who he views as a rival. So Oedipus Complex, I would argue, is best seen as a story. Um, so 
In The Young Boy, the Oedipus Complex, or more correctly, Conflict, its Oedipus Conflict, arises because the boy develops unconscious sexual desires for his mother. When he does so, um, envy and jealousy are aimed at his father, who is the object of the mother's affection and attention. So it's like, okay, I'm a little boy, and I start, you know, (laughs) noticing that I'm different from my sister or from my mom because I have a penis, and I realize that I have sexual desire and I want to fuck my mom, right? So I hate my dad. And the feelings of being jealous of my dad because my mom fucks my dad, right? Um, they lead to the fantasies of killing my dad. And these hostile feelings eventually lead to the fear that my dad will cut off my penis and I'll become a woman. Right. I swear to God. Well, hmm, fear is interesting. (laughs) Um, To cope with this anxiety of the penis being cut off, the son identifies with the father. This means the son adopts slash internalizes the attitudes, characteristics, and values that his father holds. Personality, gender role, masculinity. And the father becomes a role model instead of a role. Ha! Sorry. Through this identification. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Through this identification, boys acquire the superego and the male sex role. And then the boy eventually substitutes his desire for his mother with the desire for other women. So the first time that the man, the boy feels desire is for other women. There's, you know, uh, a famous, <laughs> a really famous study for, uh, called the Little Hans study. And it was like this, this little boy was really, really afraid mm-hmm. of horses. <laughs> um, really, really afraid of horses. And then um, it eventually, you know, Freud decides, figures out. He wants that, to fuck the horse. Um, <laughs> no, that the fear of the horse's large penis is the fear of his father. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. And so to resolve it, the boy has to fantasize that he is also going to have a big penis and he will be married to his mother. Yeah, sure. Which will eventually allow him to identify with his father and develop. So in this, in this you know, theory... If something fucks up in that process between the age of three and six, this is why a lot of people do not like Freud. Um, one, because they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and two, because the theory is if something gets fucked up during any of these stages, the anal, the oral, the psychosexual, you know, the, these, you know, the different Freud phases, um, then that's often what leads to homosexuality. That's often what leads to um, other sites, other types of, you know, quote unquote psychosis. Um, what I find interesting is that Freud doesn't talk about homosexuality in like a negative way. He's just like, well, that's just why something got fucked up in that process. And that's why. Yeah. And he's not saying it as a bad thing, but people are like, no, you know, you're born with that. And it's like, it was just like more so a question of the root rather than whether or not homosexuality is bad. That's kind of why I, I like Freud and don't like, not like him, but I, I forgive him <laughs> for that aspect. Um, But, you know, so to look at the Oedipus complex, there are so many structural stories about a man who can't get rid of his desire for his mother and therefore can't be a good partner to his wife. Mm -hmm. Um, That that tends to be in like in every romantic comedy. There's, you know, the the man who loves his mother more than his wife. Um, So structurally, the, the Oedipus complex is in pretty much everything. Um, and you could also look at there, there's also an, an affection for the mother toward the son as well competition between father and son 
if we wanted to look at some famous stories, like, I don't know, um, the monkey's paw, <laughs> which is a famous story that we all somehow <laughs> familiar with, you could look at that through an Oedipus complex lens of uh, once her son is gone, she no longer has any love or desire for her husband anymore because the only love and desire she had in her family was for her son. Um, one could argue if you wanted to look at it through that lens. Yeah. Jordan, you 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 went, huh. When I said Oedipus Complex, when we were, when, well, when Matt said Oedipus Complex, we were reading through. Well, How do you feel about it? I was just laughing because I'm trans. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> I was just laughing because I'm trans. <laughs> okay, but expand. Um, <laughs> um, well, I mean, I can't, I can't knock Freud. I, I can a little bit, but, you know, it's, it's I'm, sh- well, I'm then sure that maybe, you know. No, Let's I make don't this a fight. fight Freud because Freud had his own experience and and big muscles Aww. and big <laughs> and he have a big a dick. I'm going to go. Good. Well, um, I, uh, I don't know how to argue with the Oedipus complex. I'm sure it, ha- it occurs in certain people. Um, I find it funny to uh, make a generalization about uh, oh, uh, make, make a generalization about all male people or all female people, etc. I mean, you can totally just we can talk about penis envy too, um, right? Uh, well, that's of technically that's of right, the same yes. storyline. Um, yeah. Right, which is Lacan wouldn't call that phallocentrism, but Derrida would. Um, the idea that the phallus is sort of centralized in making meaning. Right, in both the 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 woman's experience and the male's experience, because the woman eventually finds her role because she realizes she doesn't want a penis. She wants her father's penis because she doesn't have one. And right. that's where her sexual desire comes Funnily from. Funnily enough, that's a problem that I have with my psychoanalyst. I'm like, dude, can we stop talking about penises? What do you mean? Can we stop talking Wait, about really? penises? I mean, he, he doesn't that's talk about so penises funny. all the time. But, you know, I notice it in- enough. Enough. <laughs> enough, enough for, for me to be like, yeah, it. okay, I'm, maybe that's a phallic symbol. But, like, honestly, yeah, okay, so what? It's, it's a penis and a... Everything, Everything is, is a phallic, phallic symbol, symbol if you just look at it that way. Um, uh-huh. So when it comes to the Oedipus complex, though, I'm, I'm just I'm fast. I'm I no, I'm not fascinated. I'm um, titillated <laughs> by how how opposite <laughs> that was for me. Like just as my own, you know, by upbringing, okay. I was like, wow, I don't. Oh, my my dad, my dad's not gonna listen to this. But like, I really didn't identify with my father uh, growing up. Mm. Um, I was like, dear God, I don't like my dad. Um, He's fine now, but well, fine, fine, you know, fine. Um, Yeah. But let me try to think, because I was thinking when you were talking about the, when we were talking about language to begin with and the Oedipus complex, Mm. right? So Lacan, I think, moves, and this is where Lacan really does me. he does me. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, I'm not. I'm kind of kidding. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, 
the Oedipus complex occurs because of an inadequacy, like a perceived personal inadequacy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Both the little boy and the little girl. They look at themselves and they're like, the little boy is like, my penis is small. And the little girl is like, I have no penis. No. No. It's all all about about the penis. penis. But that is, that is. (laughs) I'm very curious about what you're going to say about that. That, though, is a, um, a reflection of the symbolic, of Freud's symbolic, probably. Um, Freud's linguistic understanding of what was real to him. Um, right? That, okay. that idea that there is um, this order mm-hmm. uh, and it's all about the penis. That's Freud's own symbolic mm-hmm. speaking to us. Um, <laughs> okay. From whatever his real experience was. I'm fascinated by this idea, though, that it comes from that that this whatever this Oedipus complex thing is, um, but all all relationships with self, at least in at least to Lacan, oscillate around feelings of inadequacy, feelings of not measuring up to something, hmm. um, and which is similar yeah. in that way. It's I know, right? Because not okay, measuring okay, up yeah. uh, penis. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's the symb- there's phallogocentrism right there, in your dangling yeah. in your face. Um, so sorry. Oh, you, you know, whatever. Uh, it, it's the penis episode. <laughs> it's the penis episode. Lacan um, drew from Saussure. He drew from, um from Saussurian uh, linguistics Um, and that's I believe that's from which he derived the idea of the other the little other and the big other so okay before we get into big and little other I want to know Matt's thoughts on Oedipus and then I would tell me about Oedipus and then we'll connect yeah Matt what do you think and we'll link and build. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just wondering if the um, if the feelings of uh, I don't have a penis or I don't have a big penis, um, if that is listening, <laughs> if that is coming from <laughs> like the that person, or if it's an external thing that makes them like. You know what I mean? I don't really know how to say it, but like, is that internal? So is phallocentricism, yeah, is phallocentricism subconscious or is it a, is it a social thing? Right. Is it, like is it as simple thing? as look down, hmm, I don't have a penis and now I feel inadequate? Or is it like something externally happens and it's like, well, this is because I don't have a penis? Mm-hmm. Well, <sighs> what, Jordan? Well, what you got? I think Lacan would say something like, okay, so first of all, we have to get to the mirror stage. The mirror stage to for Lacan yeah, yeah. is like the, uh, the 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 initial moment where a baby discovers that they have a personness. Like they, they this is me, I, me. Um, seeing, oh yeah, seeing oh, self in the mirror yeah, yeah, yeah. and like I have a self and I'm different from the things around me because before mm. I was just like googling around in the real. <laughs> w- w- wiggling around, <laughs> pooping and crying, 
And it just sort of felt like everything was moving through me and moving into and out of me like a nice tidal wave. Um, but then okay, suddenly there's yeah, a realization yeah, yeah. of I, right? Um, and then the Lacan theorizes that it is only after the mirror stage that language can be acquired. Okay. Um, because there is an I involved? Because there's an I involved. I'm not understanding. Because, is, that, is that true? I think it's true. I'm going to go off what I remember. Um, <laughs> I'm going to hope. <laughs> discovering. Oh, right. No, because discovering that there's differentiation makes language necessary. I'm different from the things around me. Therefore, that object I see is different from that object okay. is different from that object. And I have to start to use language in order to mediate difference. Because there is an I now. Before, it was all It was one. all it was one. All it was all just... everything. Because you, because I was all one, too. I was no... Okay, so how does that have I to was do no with I. So that has to do, it has to do with even more than penis. It has to do with the whole... Okay. Oh I'm goodness. listening. So you from the mirror stage, you get the difference between me and the rest of the world. Uh, I'm understanding. Keep going. <laughs> that requires the use of language in order to begin to reconcile that territory of difference. Okay? Mm -hmm. When language is acquired, language is a function of the symbolic order. The symbol, like the symbolic and the law. The symbolic is the whole structure of language that we use now. I mean, uh, English is, uh, the, the history of English is by and large a patriarchal history. Um, okay. And uh, it's, 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 a, it's a language that actually has baked into it the, the symbols and the law of the people that created the language and continue to keep creating the language. Um, those the way that the language operates and also the way that people use language and the, 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 the speech acts that they, they do with the language create hmm. um, the little I and the big I the little I was discovered is that the other, the other and the, the other? other yeah um, ah! you got the little other which is me. That's me. I'm just the little, the little, the little one. I'm just a little just boy. Little boy. Um, and the big other. It's complicated, and it's. I'm not. I'm not saying it exactly right, but generally because it it uh it it, it, it um, uh what's that word I'm looking for? It correlates to the signifier and the signified of Saussure. It's like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The word, uh, well, not quite. Um, <laughs> the the sign, the sign, right? So, like the concept of the thing that you're trying to articulate, and the actual yeah. object that you're referring to. Oh, I know, I know what you're talking about. I I I uh, had to write a paper using yes. those things, using the signifier and the signified. Um, when I was a freshman in yeah. at NYU. And we had to go to the Whitney and pick a painting and right, write about yeah. it. And I used the signifier and the signified to say that um, abstract expressionism has no oh. meaning. 
because the signifier and the signified, um, there's way too many things that are the color red. So it, if there's just a canvas with the color mm. red on it, can't mean anything mm. at all. So I used that to describe that. And my teacher gave me a, a C, <laughs> which I've always gotten really good grades. My teacher gave me a C and wrote, you can't write a paper that just says, I don't oh. get it. <laughs> oh! Chef kiss. Loved it. So <laughs> I learned a lot about art that day. <laughs> given given the, the, the n- nudging our way into the signifier and signified, um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna. Can I read a little, like a, a little bit of this essay very quickly that I found? Okay. No. Um, yes, so this is. Who's who's the it's essay? It's mine. Um, essay. Oh. Quote, Stars upon his memory. Lacanian fetishism in the dead. James Joyce's The Dead. Um, okay. So I don't remember what the story's about, but it's like going. It's going to a party. <laughs> it would be perfect. It would honestly be a perfect story for the uh, the unnamed company we worked for. Um, <laughs> after the party, quote. <laughs> yeah, oh, it, it would? actually would. It cool. Would. Okay. Um, quote. After the. That's great. You should I let should. some people know. Quote. After the. <laughs> after the party, Gabriel and his wife Greta leave for their private hotel room. At once, he sees her quote frail unquote figure running ahead in the snow and quote longs to defend her against something and then to be alone with her, unquote, Joyce 51. This longing oh. introduces Gabriel's eagle ide- uh, ego ideal. Eagle ideal. Ah. Oh, are we going to get to it ego? <laughs> yeah. Super ego Gabriel's business? ego ideal as Greta's husband, which Lacanian psychoanalysis explains necessarily proceeds from the mirror stage and which is threatened by potential interests of Greta's, i.e. the men, the other men from the party and can therefore be best preserved in isolation. Indeed, in, uh, Gabriel is in, I know, <laughs> I used the word indeed. I was a little bit, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, indeed. Gabriel blah, blah, blah. is, quote, inscribed to be by the very signifier husband, whatever way husband means in a particular context. That is, assuming the title husband, okay. oh, sorry, in assuming the title husband, quote, in mythic form, unquote, and that mythic form, I would argue, is the symbol of husband, the big eye, right? Okay. He assumed the title of husband in mythic form, and therefore he entered into the signifying chain of his ego ideal as husband, just as the subject experiences his, quote, sliding under, unquote, the gestalt eye, which is the unified whole of mm-hmm. greater value than its some parts. After initial sorry, after initial psychophysical fragmentation at the mirror stage, Gabriel slides under husband and assumes the following subjugation or subjection. Husband over Gabriel. So there's this signifier of husband sort of teetering heavily, clumsily over Gabriel and Gabriel has to become the signifying chain that oh my that gosh actually creates the definition of husband which is supposed to identify him you know okay this is this is going to take a, a, a I'm steep excited, left yes. are you ready for it um a, <laughs> for those watching Matt just turned his head um <laughs> those listening i mean um the reason i i i got i got really mm-hmm. mad depressed in April, May-ish of, you know, quarantine time, 2020. And 
one of the first things that my therapist and mm-hmm. I started going to therapy and one of the first things my therapist and I worked on was I realized that I had no other identifiers mm. anymore. You know, I used to identify as right. girlfriend. That was a big title that I would hold mm-hmm. over myself. I used to be um, actor. I used to be writer. And during quarantine, I had no creative inspiration and I wasn't mm-hmm. working on anything acting wise. So I was like, I had nothing Oh, I had I had nothing. I wasn't yeah. anything. So that reminds me of that, of the other other, of the big yeah. eye and the little eye. And what your title and the language becomes you. And my therapist said something really beautiful. She said, I am is a complete yeah. sentence. Um, and that's just you you being you existing is all all that matters. But anyway, that's that's on yeah. a personal level. But it just I, I that really struck me when you're talking about the yeah. husband role. Um I'm curious if Matt has any thoughts on, on any of the things we're... I'm like, <laughs> I have a lasso. I'm like, hey, Matt. <laughs> hey, Matt, pay attention. Um. <laughs> well, I will tack on just very quickly. It has, a lot, yeah. it has a lot to do with gender and the way that we identify. Of course, it has a lot to do with gender. And that's sort of how it becomes mm. personal to me is that that's what began to start to chip away at like my own gender feeling. Right. That's the, the whole time you were talking... Things, yeah. I was only really thinking, I was, I definitely was listening, I promise, but I was in my head only relating it to <laughs> gender now, like thinking of it through okay, that lens, like the boxes that you put yourself in or other people put you in. I think that's a very, like I'm a man. Yeah. Like, and what that hmm. signifies to some and like, that the skewed lines between those boxes is is what interests me in thinking like that. Yeah. Do you have a literary or personal example? Me, the uneducated guy that's here to just learn. That's the one. (laughs) (laughs) You're not uneducated. No. Me, the little dumb dumb boy. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about gender. I'm thinking about, I mean, it has a lot to do with a lot of other things. I mean, it's people I'm thinking, thinking about gender as I want, as I want to, want, do. As I want to do, for I am a little gender fucker. Um, <laughs> um, but I was just thinking, Matt, you made me think about how, oh, I forgot what you made me think about. Oh no. Oh no. It was good. It was really good. Well, let me okay. repeat verbatim what I just said. Please. Blah, blah, Please. blah. I don't know. <laughs> Everybody froze for me on my end. Um, okay. Blah, 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 oh, blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, I'm back. I was frozen for a minute. Yeah. Oh, that's the thing. When it, when it comes to gender, I think everybody has a certain, um, whether or not they're conscious of it, they, they have a certain chain of signifiers for themselves, right? So, so we, we, we know a thing to be a thing because it checks off all the criteria of being a thing by definition. So, you know, mm-hmm. I see a cup. Um, I see. I see. <laughs> <laughs> Spell like cup. This is a good podcast. <laughs> hey, all you Lacanians out there. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Spell I cup. <laughs> <laughs> mm, talk talk so dirty to me. Um, so I see a cup. 
Um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I miss you all so much. Well, that's a that was a uh, that's a wrap. <laughs> I see a cup. <laughs> Thanks for listening, wrap. everyone. That's <laughs> a serious wrap. Yeah. On I see that. a cup. Um, and I should I choose a different now? No, I shall not. I shan't. <laughs> no, I you're fine. Cup. Keep going. Um, and I call it a cup. Um, because it, whatever that object is fits the working definition of what I know to be a cup. Um, okay. A cup and a bowl are very similar, but there is a difference. And I have an idea of what the definitive difference is. And I can differentiate between a cup and a bowl. But they do virtually the same thing. And they're often very similarly shaped. But to me, there's a difference. There's there's a there's a difference in the chain of signifiers, the the chain of traits and uh, definitions that create my identification of whatever that thing is. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's just funny that you say cup because that could also be seen as a yonic symbol if you if you really felt it like it. <laughs> well, I think if if you if you really wanted I, to, which yeah. I do. Very, okay, hey, all you. Lacanians out there. Hey. Yeah, you when, whenever I watch like a play or a story or anything, mm-hmm. I just everything is penises and vaginas for me. I'm trying to get like, away. Oh, he's picking up that. Cup. I gotta see more plays. Oh, oh, I gotta see more he, plays. He's he's he sold his gun. He sold his gun for her dress. He Uh-oh, chopped his, that's his dick off. Now which one's that? That's yep. That's called the necklace by Guy de Maupassant. That's called the NRA. That's just NRA. a classic story that I'm familiar with. Um, it's the NRA. Um, he sold his he gun. Sold his gun. masculinity. Well, is he gone. actually just and didn't he did it buy to it. buy a necklace. Right, which is and like a fucking nuva ring. Circular object. Yeah, cir- circular object. They totally had nuva ring back. Um, no, they no, did they, not. Nuva ring did. sucks. Sorry, that's it. <laughs> This week's sponsor, Nuvering. I'm trying to think if there's anything else um, to cover before we we wrap it. I actually, Um, I will say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna apply it. Chain of signifiers. Apply the cup thing to the gender thing. Okay. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because basically, you know, I have this working definition of what a cup is, and I use that in order to figure out what to call a cup and what not to call a cup and i know laugh all you want i think that gender gets really messy because of the fact that i have an internal definition for myself like i have my own chain of signifiers that mean something about my gender to me and i get to like self-describe it Hmm. um but a lot of like the chain of signifiers for gender externally and gender happens a lot externally. I mean, if we're talking about Judith Butler, she thinks it happens all she, they, oh my God, it's Judith <sighs> Butler, but Judith Butler, regardless, whatever pronouns, I don't remember. Um, and I'm going to please look that do. Um, Judith Butler, you know, wrote that gender and, and maybe it, of course, maybe the ideas have changed, but the, the, the seminal essay, seminal, I just learned that that has something to do with semen. I had no idea. 
No Seminal. S-E-M-E-N. Seminal. It's about, it's semen. Ghost by she or they pronouns. Are you fucking kidding me? We got another she or they up in here with Judith Butler. I thought so. Okay, cool. So, yeah. Hey, Matt, you feel scared yet? Yeah, bye, guys. Um... Anyway, but in Bye-bye. but in their uh, their their really really famous essay about um, about gender and the way it, it operates that, is that gender tr- gender gender trouble I think trouble? it's gender trouble I think but maybe that's or gender gender performativity um yeah so classic in, in her theory about <laughs> gender performativity um she essentially wrote that you know all gender exists externally um it's a series of acts that are done and people outside of you make meaning of them and then describe the gender you are and it's, it's an effect that gender is an effect that we have on other people um yes i ascribe to the idea that i also have an internal sense of my gender and that comes from uh, in a lacanian sense a bunch of a, a chain of signifiers that mean something to me in relationship to my gender and that's how i figure out what my gender is or know internally what that is the issue comes when Oftentimes, for trans people, the chain of signifiers I know to be true for myself and that I use in order to um, identify myself to myself are often not compatible with whatever signifiers other people are seeing. Hmm. And so, and that often comes, you know, in comportment, um, right? The, 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 the three aspects, like components of the way gender is perceived comportment expression and outright identification um so like you know i as a trans girl and i put girl you know i i, I put girl over the top of my head dangling there the way gabriel mm-hmm. puts husband over the top of his head and it doesn't dangling. always feel dangling thank you gaping above me <laughs> gaping <laughs> above your head <laughs> um you're welcome yannick there we go um, Yannick. Yeah, good to do. And anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I, I am understanding. That makes sense. Yeah. So I, I, I put mm-hmm. girl over the top of my head, and it doesn't always feel right. Um, but mm-hmm. it feels righter than um, than boy or man. Um, and you know, it, it, it is more related to the signifiers that I feel I have in me regarding gender. Um. But given the fact that I have like male secondary sex characteristics, those are often used in order to as an as an outward as an outward chain of signifiers for other people describing gender. And so the fact that I have girl over my head and I put that there and that's what I am. And then other people, you know, if I'm especially, you know, trans trans girls who are visibly trans, quote unquote, whatever the fuck that means, because that's complicated. Um, I know barf, but. Trans girls who have um, snap judgeable male secondary sex characteristics, right? You could you could snap okay. judge those as male. Um, they tend to be misgendered, and a misgendering is a misrepresentation of, or it's a misidentification. It's calling a cup a bowl. It's calling you know a this a that, hmm. right? And yeah, but yeah. it comes, but then that creates a kind of like. It just has something to do with the with the signifiers that everybody's using in order to describe things. So, 
when we're to, when we were to connect that to what mm-hmm. Matt said, it's not just looking down and seeing and and it's not and there's something wrong. It's also the outward. Yeah, because Matt was asking about the Oedipus right. complex and the and the feeling of uh, of the. And so what you're saying is the the signifiers that everyone is using is wrong. <laughs> well, unless they're not, unless they're not wrong. And by that, I mean, okay. what I mean, is it I, I don't know, maybe the Oedipus complex only rings true for people who like willingly receive whatever signifier they're given and decide to become okay. the image of that sure. signifier. Right. Decide to uh, create in themselves I, I, I either either created themselves or bring out in themselves the chain of signifiers that allows them to approach being the man in mythic proportion, like like you know the 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 the, the man in mythic form, the woman in mythic form. Um, maybe maybe the Oedipus complex is functional only insofar as people will uh, consciously or unconsciously receive and internalize the big other that they're supposed to be achieving. And maybe some of that comes from an internal drive, but some of that also probably comes from a societal structural uh, drive that Lacan would locate in the symbolic. Um. One, thank you for sharing all of that. That was one extremely like interesting in an academic sense, but also on a personal level. Yeah. Um, so one, thank you for that. I hope it felt good. It felt and not interesting. Bad. I haven't thought about this in a long time. Okay. Oh, okay. You know, it's funny that we, you know, when I uh, toured with you guys, <laughs> um, I was still using she/her pronouns, and now I don't, and I don't know when that happened. You don't. You don't use she/her pronouns. <laughs> No, I use she, I, she or they, or they pronouns. Oh, well, I thought that oh, when you said I, you don't I use she or pronouns, I went, oh, no I, more. I just rethought the whole last no, week I of do. my life. <laughs> oh, my God, imagine. Yeah. Oh, and I just never I was corrected like, damn, y'all. those signifiers are mashing together in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Like, I, I okay. use she or they. Yes, yes, yes. I use, I do use she. I use she or they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. yeah no, whatever. Um, so it's, it's interesting that you say those things because I don't, I don't know when that happened. And I was just thinking about, you know, I told you, told you all about after, after Monday's shoot day, I felt like garbage just because I felt like I didn't do a good job. So I was like, I'm not an actor, Mm. like actor hanging Mm. over my head. And then the next day I felt better. So I did feel okay with that hanging over your head. And sometimes identifiers feel good. Some people really like being known as wife, husband, things like that. I was curious, Matt, if you have any experience of identifiers, roles, and how those have made you feel in your life. Hmm. I mean, you don't have to. Boy. <laughs> I'm just a little boy. Little boy. <laughs> um, I mean, now I identify as an actor. Like, that was never the case. Mm-hmm. I didn't start acting until I was 19. Mm-hmm. So, like, then it was like, oh, I'm an actor. And now, like, the only thing I could think about, like, throughout the this this part of this conversation was like how until last week I didn't feel like an actor. You oh, know, wow. 
you didn't feel like an actor when we were there and you felt like you did a bad, a bad job, which you didn't, but that's whatever. Um, so you, you had a bad you. day of shooting <laughs> and didn't feel like an actor. I haven't felt like an actor in many months before we started rehearsing mm-hmm. again, you know? So it's like... Mm-hmm. How did it feel when you put that signifier on again? Really weird. Really weird, actually. Because, like, the whole time, like, the first day of rehearsal, like, I was texting my girlfriend Mel, like, I don't know if this is for me anymore. Mm, Like, that whole time. And maybe it's because we were rehearsing a show we've performed 70 times, but now we're changing it completely (laughs) and, you know, adapting it for film. I mean, you you know, so I just felt so off that whole time where it's like, you know, maybe this pandemic really showed that, like, maybe that isn't what I want to do, you know? So I didn't feel like an actor, you know, until, like, the third day we were there, and I was like, oh, wait, I actually live for this. This is what I actually do want to do. That was just, you know, that was just silly of me. Um, So it's interesting to think about, like, now, because now we're done with that, and now it's like, I don't know when the next thing will be. I don't even know when the next audition will be. So, like, mm-hmm. thinking about how, like, I don't want to fall back into that pit of not identifying as that anymore. Because I want to. Like, I I, I do want to. And I'm It makes you feel very... good when you have that over your head. Yeah. Yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. And you and I chatted on Sunday night. Um, I think the three of us chatted about it that um, I was waiting for my COVID results for an extra, like, 15, 20 minutes than the rest of the cast for no reason. I had ended up being negative, but we were waiting for our, you know, PCR COVID tests for all of us to test negative so we can go to set the next day. (laughs) And I had a a nice, good, long panic attack for 20 minutes, and then I got my negative results. And then I was like, wait a minute, my panic attack isn't leaving. And I realized it was because I was, like, (laughs) somewhere in... Hi, Freud. Somewhere in my subconscious, it was like, you're not an actor. You're 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 faking. You're a faker. You're not an actor. Shut up. And so I expressed that to y'all. And I, Matt, you also expressed. You were like, yeah, <laughs> I'm feeling that way, too, that, that I'm a faker. <laughs> that I thought I had that actor signifier on lock. <laughs> I just did it. Yeah. Um, but I felt pretty good after a few days. I felt like, like right now I'm feeling like, okay, I'm an actor. Yeah. But I agree, probably not for long. Well, <laughs> probably too. I mean, your definition probably shifted as we went through the day or through the days as well. And my definition of what it meant for me to be an actor shifted too. I started, mm. my definition of what it means to be an actor, I, I changed and changed all throughout the pandemic. Um, I mean, mm. what does it mean to be an actor when I'm not acting? What does that mean? I, I'm not an actor, but mm-hmm. am I an actor? I went to school, do this. like, And sometimes it is, maybe I need to change the signifier or maybe I need to change the, 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 the chain of signifiers that I'm using to qualify the signifier that I own. And, mm. oh my God, it's gender again. And that's a big thing. Like, 
Well, but when, <laughs> oh my when God, it comes to back. gender, some people want to say to trans people like my own parents, well, Jordan, why can't you be a boy and just, you know, change the definition of what it means to be a boy? Right? There's. Oh, yeah. I've had that conversation, uh-huh. too. Yeah. And that's valid for people. That I, I would say that is a valid thing that some people can do. There's also validity in changing the signifier. And, you know, saying that that describes me, too. Um, there are a lot of potential signifiers that could describe me. And so, and, you know, when, when, you, when you started talking about being an actor and how, you know, you, you came to suddenly or gradually identify as an actor again and like see yourself actually being the little eye that corresponds with a big eye actor you know what changed and what and what what you know and i guess it made me ask what can i do in times when i don't feel like an actor and yet I want to maintain mm-hmm. that I am, or maybe I don't want to maintain that I am. Maybe I want to change what I describe myself as, or maybe I change the definition of what I think it is. I think that's a nice place to, to wrap. Mm-hmm. Felt like a button. Um, <clears throat> that's that's a lovely button, I think, because it's sort of unresolved, and I want <clears throat> I want listeners to think about it too. And I know a lot of my listeners are mm-hmm. actors, so cool. enjoy. Enjoy this little crisis we're giving you. Um, I, you know, we didn't really end up doing too much of Freud versus Lacan. We just sort of like theorized and, and mused yeah. for a while. Um, but Matt, would you just pick one at random so one of us can have a point? Yeah. So if we want to return with a different episode, we can we can do like maybe a three parter yeah. and see if people if people like this. I would love to do this again because this is actually pretty effective. And can John just like you know can can John can you put in a sound of a wrestling ring right now and just make one punch the other, please? <laughs> just make one punch okay, the other great, in okay. the face. And <laughs> Matt, you decide. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, we'll let some room for that. Okay, okay, here we go. Thanks, John. Lacan <laughs> helped Jordan come out. So for this ah. episode. I am on Lacan's side. Oh. Ah. Cool. Ding, ding, ding. I love winning violently. Do you guys have anything to plug before we uh, finish our day? No. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, that's so um, good. I... After our whole act, <laughs> no. Listen, I'm pl- I'm plugging no. <laughs> I'm plugging the non-binary divers Shakespeare project. That's non-binary with a hyphen, D I V E R S apostrophe Shakespeare, um, which is uh, it's not a very good name. If I have to like describe to you how it's how it's written whatever i don't care um <laughs> i'm the founding artistic director and um i uh it, it's an ensemble the prettiest founding artistic Aww, director that was so... <laughs> shut up yeah i'm a, i'm a, I, I teach people how to that that does not sound okay john cut that 
I'm gonna what? sound John. I'm going to okay. Cut that. John's not no, cutting it. Fuck this. that. <laughs> you see, okay, this is a, a prime example of the big eye, little eye in complete utter chaos. Um. Okay. I'm going to put on my big girl britches and say that okay. yes, I teach people Shakespeare, and I'm the founding Woo! artistic director of a Shakespeare company that is uh, trying to open up space for transgender and non-binary and gender non-conforming and questioning individuals, um, open up space for them in Shakespeare and classical theater, which uh, it's high time to do. If they're interested in working with you, um, is there a book Yeah, if you're interested in working with me, I would love for you to. Um, hey, all you Lucanians, you trans Lucanians out there, trans Shakespeareans out there. Hey, all you Lucanians. Mm. Oh. Oof. <laughs> you didn't like that? Oof. <laughs> um, that was really good. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, Here is... Oh, I'm not doing it. Nope, that's too much. <laughs> um, it's too indicative of where we work. <laughs> I hope... I want this to be a running gag that nobody knows where we work. I love... Yeah, and I love the little the little Easter eggs <laughs> <laughs> hidden in the episode. I mean, if you go to my website, you'll see it. Um, you, right? Exactly. It's it's just you, you know. You should website sneaky website me, um, at Jordan Scout Palmer. That's S C O U T Palmer uh, dot com. Um, Matt, do you have a website? No. Mine's very. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't want to, I didn't want to make a website because I don't know if I'm going to change my name yet. Yeah. Uh, okay. Why would you change your name? My last name's long and dumb. I love it. I also I didn't say it earlier, and I've been thinking about it this whole time, like that I didn't say my last name, but it's not going to matter because what? What does that mean? Like, no one's going to be like. You'll, it'll Matt be in Ryan the show Tony. notes. I gotta look this guy up, and then they're not gonna know how to spell my name. See. They'll just be like Matt. Mm, I just, just want to say that. <laughs> Sorry, what no, Jordan. Say, can go on. No, I was gonna say something cheeky and stupid. Don't, don't listen to me. I think Matt was also gonna say something. That cheeky doesn't and sound stupid. like us. Come on. <laughs> I was just gonna say that tonally, this is gonna be a little different from when I come on. And talk about a paper I wrote about the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, but <laughs> are you gonna talk about a paper about the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? That's gonna be great. You didn't pitch that. Yeah, I know. To me. That we figured we could great. do it right now. <laughs> uh, I'll do a live pitch right now. What? What's? Wait, really quick. What happened? Uh, no spoilers here, my friend. They gotta stay tuned for that. God. Well, I don't even know if I want it on. Because you need oh, to pitch it. Oh, then it could be like your lost episode. Like <laughs> people be like, "Oh man, just lost that episode. It's it's forgotten to time. It's forgotten to time. Found on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Only fans. We found it. <laughs> Best paper pot. Only fans. Okay. Um. Yeah. I yeah. Think we, we did, did it. it. All right. All right. Cool. Thank you for listening. Um, and uh, if you liked this, subscribe, link and build, 
Um, and let us know if you want us to do a a a, a multi part of this of this format because this is the first one of its format. What if there's a resounding no? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then I won't do my paper. Best Paper Pod is supported by Hickory Playground, which was founded by Dylan Tashton, Robert Fuller, and Jordan Maycant. Our audio editor is John Morgenstern. Our cover art is made by Morgan Honeycutt, and our jingle was made by Lucky Saruti. I also want to give a big special thanks to Patrick Yeboa and Simone Elhart. Thank you so much for listening. If you've got a paper you think would be great for the show, submit it at hickoryplayground.org slash bestpaper. I can't wait to read it.